Hello and welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today's poem is by a poet named Eleanor Wiley. She lived from 1885 to 1928. And the poem that I'm going to read is called Wild Peaches. It's a bit long, so I probably won't be able to read it twice, but it's another poem that I really wanted to, to read to you. Um, I first discovered it in Harold Bloom's anthology, The Best Poems of the English Language. Uh, he includes it in the section next to Ezra Pound, which I find really interesting. Eleanor Wiley was the literary editor of Vanity Fair, and apparently she was obsessed with Shelley, as Harold Bloom writes, whose influence is manifest in much of her poetry. And the poem that I'm going to read today, Wild Peaches, is actually a series of four sonnets. It's a sequence of sonnets, and this is how it goes. One. When the world turns completely upside down, you say we'll immigrate to the eastern shore aboard a riverboat from Baltimore. We'll live among wild peach trees, miles from town. You'll wear a coonskin cap and I a gown homespun, dyed butternut's dark gold color. Lost like your lotus-eating ancestor, we'll swim in milk and honey till we drown. The winter will be short, the summer long, the autumn amber-hued, sunny and hot. Tasting of cider and of scuppernung, all seasons sweet, but autumn best of all. The squirrels in their silver fur will fall like falling leaves, like fruit before your shot. Two. The autumn frosts will lie upon the grass like blooms on grapes of purple brown and gold. The misted early mornings will be cold. The little puddles will be roofed with glass. The sun, which burns from copper into brass, melts these at noon and makes the boys unfold their knitted mufflers, full as they can hold, fat pockets dribble chestnuts as they pass. Peaches grow wild, and pigs can live in clover. A barrel of salt herrings lasts a year. The spring begins before the winter's over. By February, you may find the skins of garter snakes and water moccasins dwindled and harsh, dead white and cloudy clear. 3. When April pours the colors of a shell upon the hills, when every little creek is shot with silver from the Chesapeake in shoals new minted by the ocean swell, when strawberries go begging and the sleek blue plums lie open to the blackbird's beak, we shall live well, we shall live very well. The months between the cherries and the peaches are brimming cornucopias, which spill fruits red and purple, somber-bloomed and black. Then, down rich fields and frosty river beaches, we'll trample bright persimmons, while we kill bronze partridge, speckled quail, and canvas back. 4. Down to the Puritan marrow of my bones, there's something in this richness that I hate. I love the look, austere, immaculate, of landscapes drawn in pearly monotones. There's something in my very blood that owns bare hills, cold silver on a sky of slate, a thread of water churned to milky spate, streaming through slanted pastures fenced with stones. I love those skies, thin blue or snowy gray, those fields sparse planted, rendering meager sheaves, that spring briefer than apple blossom's breath, summer so much too beautiful to stay, swift autumn like a bonfire of leaves, and sleepy winter like the sleep of death. Bloom writes that the first three sonnets in this, in this sequence 
are wily at her best, quote, initially brimming with life and love, celebrating a natural sweetness and abundance, end quote. He notes in particular the turn uh, in, that st- in the third sonnet where she says, we shall live well, we shall live very well. That's a great line there. But then he notes that there is, quote, a marvelous shock in the Puritan austerity of the final sonnet. And I don't know if you caught it. I may read it again just because I like this so much. But those first three sonnets, while very purely structured and really lovely in their own right, while being full of great images and great turns of phrase, lead into this fourth stanza, this fourth sonnet rather, where all of a sudden she's saying, I love all these things. Um, These things are beautiful. These things that are capturing my imagination, the things that she's talking about in these first three sonnets. But then she says, but there's something deep in the Puritan marrow of my bones, deep inside me, which doesn't like those things. I've been, it seems to me anyway, that she's saying that I have been trained in some way to love the look, austere, immaculate, of landscapes drawn in monotones. She's drawn to the black and white, to the bare hills, to the thin blues and the snowy grays, to the sparse planted fields, to the meager sheaves. And that's such a fascinating reversal in this sequence. I wonder if it's she, at the end, is bemoaning that sort of characteristic that she recognizes in herself, or is she praising that? You know, is, is she looking, is she being self-aware in the sense that she's saying, this is a good thing about me, or this is something that needs to change? And I kind of like that she doesn't seem to come right out and say that. Um, so it's a little bit longer, like I said, so I'll go ahead and read it one more time for you so that you can hear it again. Um, but there's something for you to think about while I read it again. Wild Peaches, Eleanor Wiley. One. When the world turns completely upside down, you say we'll immigrate to the eastern shore aboard a riverboat from Baltimore. We'll live among wild peach trees miles from town. You'll wear a coonskin cap and I a gown, homespun, dyed butternut's dark cold color. Lost, like your lotus-eating ancestor, we'll swim in milk and honey till we drown. The winter will be short, the summer long, the autumn amber-hued, sunny and hot, tasting of cider and of scuppernung. All seasons sweet, but autumn best of all. The squirrels in their silver fur will fall like falling leaves, like fruit before your shot. 2. The autumn frost will lie upon the grass like bloom on grapes of purple, brown, and gold. The misted early mornings will be cold. The little puddles will be roofed with glass. The sun, which burns from copper into brass, melts these at noon and makes the boys unfold their knitted mufflers. Full as they can hold, fat pockets dribble chestnuts as they pass. Peaches grow wild and pigs can live in clover. A barrel of salted herrings lasts a year. The spring begins before the winter's over. By February, you may find the skins of garter snakes and water moccasins dwindled and harsh, dead white and cloudy clear. 3. When April pours the colors of a shell upon the hills, when every little creek is shot with silver from the Chesapeake in shoals new-minted by the ocean swell, when strawberries go begging and the sleek blue plums lie open to the blackbird's beak, we shall live well. We shall live very well. The months between the cherries and the peaches are brimming cornucopias which spill fruits red and purple, somber bloomed and black. 
Then, down rich fields and frosty river beaches, we'll trample bright persimmons while we kill bronze partridge, speckled quail, and canvas back. 4. Down to the Puritan marrow of my bones, there is something in this richness that I hate. I love the look, austere, immaculate, of landscapes drawn in pearly monotones. There is something in my very blood that owns bare hills, cold silver on a sky of slate, a thread of water churned to milky spate streaming through slanted pastures fenced with stones. I love those skies, thin, blue, or snowy gray, those fields sparse planted, rendering meager sheaves. That spring, briefer than apple blossom's breath, summer so much too beautiful to stay, swift autumn, like a bonfire of leaves, and sleepy winter, like the sleep of death. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another one for you.